7 a.m. in New York, 1 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 6 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Schneider Bean from SundayBean.com. I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations. And I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. When you think of a successful CEO, what comes to mind? Great grades at uni, ruthlessly climbing the corporate ladder, or maybe achievement at the expense of his or her health. You might change your mind after today's episode. I have invited a special guest together to help shed light on how taking a winding path on your own terms can be as successful or more than following some prescribed approach force-fed to us by society. Our guest allows us a glimpse in his personal and professional journey and is sure to inspire you and give you permission to follow your own path. Have a listen. Richard Farkas is the founder of Argonaut and today is responsible for the overall customer experience as well as the business development in the CEO role. Richard personally manages some of the most innovative projects I've seen coming out of the intercultural space, including a podcast for interculturalists like me, which delights me. I've watched him level up an assessment called Culture Connector over the years to a state to where it's now capturing attention in the intercultural space for its ease, usability, and design appeal. So it is my heartfelt welcome to have you on Expat Happy Hour today, Richard. Well, thank you very much, Sunday Schneiderbeam. And I hope you gave the time check for the people in Finland. I know you like to go around the world with your time checks. You've the fan base here is going to be very disoriented if we haven't heard what the time is in Helsinki. I can tell you it's half past two. There are a bunch of wild fans in Finland, but, you know, those wild and crazy Finns. True. Meetings will be missed and trains will miss their stations if, uh, if we don't get it right today. Yeah, greetings from Helsinki. So, Richard... I'm so happy to have you. And I was actually thinking about this before we started today. I believe, and you tell me where I'm wrong, I believe we got introduced to each other in 2000, maybe 14, back when I was living in Ouagadougou, Burkina Faso. I think that's when I first became aware of you, Sunday. Yeah. And I, I remember our first conversation. I was walking uh, along the old railway tracks in Helsinki um, on a dark evening. I think it was late 2015 when I'd just taken over the reins at uh, Argonauts. And I was kind of exploring who's in the network, what are they doing? And I really was impressed with what I heard uh, from you. And it was, um, you know, you kind of inherit technology when you start working with uh, software. Um, but the thing that really gives a company value and an organization its momentum is the people that are involved. So I was very excited to have that conversation with you some dark night, yeah, about six years ago. <laughs> it was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we had that conversation. And since then, I have, I've watched what you've done with your organization and with the tool. And people who know me best know that I am kind of nerdy when it comes to intercultural things. I want them to be backed by research. I want it to be really applicable to people's lived experience. And this is one thing I really love 
about Culture Connector, and that's why I've stayed a fan this whole time. Um, but that's actually not why I wanted you to come on Expat Happy Hour today. I wanted to talk to you because this is an example of what many people um, struggle with when they see someone. You are, you know, you have a fancy title. You're a CEO. You have this wonderful product that you bring out globally, and as we've talked about before, you're living um, a good life, right? But I know that that doesn't happen overnight and that I'm guessing your life hasn't been a direct line from let's say business school to the CEO role. So I thought it would be fun today to explore a little bit about your story. So those who are listening have hope (laughs) because I know my story wasn't a direct line and I'm sure yours wasn't. So can you start off by telling me a little bit about strawberries in the Arctic? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, strawberries <laughs> in the Arctic. I was a strawberry farmer in the Arctic. Okay, it was for only one springtime. But um, yeah, I had a gap year. That was a gap year thing. And um, I, I thought that I was going to be a marketing person. That was my choice when I was uh, 18 years old. And um, I was kind of surprised by how well I did in my school leaving exams. So I thought, actually, these results was really not what I expected, but they gave me all kinds of new opportunities. I could do kind of anything with these. I must have fluked it. So um, I took a year out to work <laughs> out what what should be the next move. And I was always very attracted to the marketing because, you know, it's uh, it's words and it's it's visuals. It's You have to really have a deep understanding of psychology and so forth. But um, maybe there was something else for me in the world too. So I took a gap year with no plan. And I just followed whatever opportunity fell into my lap. And one of those, um, I was working as a ski bum in the Alps, and I got a call from my mum because at those times um, that was the way to um, connect with people at home. You had to make, you had to have coins and go to a public phone box and make a call, and that's what I did. And she said she'd found this book for um, uh, that, that kind of had ideas for what to do on your gap year, and it's had this um, had this opportunity to go and live with the people in Norway uh, in a rural community and kind of explore the the culture of the countryside in Norway. It was a cultural program, um, but it was real work. Um, So I was really up for that. So I went to Norway knowing nothing about the country and I'd kind of fallen in love with it by the time the ship arrived in Bergen. I bought this uh, Berlitz phrase book and I learnt German by that time. And so switching into Norwegian was really easy. So I found it was a kind of play version of German without all of these terrible cases, which you've probably struggled with too. Um, (laughs) You've sweated the hard stuff with the German language. So Norwegian Mm -hmm. after that was so easy. And I just fell in love with that country. And um, yeah, here I am still in the same part of the world uh, so many decades later. Um, but one of my assignments on that uh, uh, on that trip was to tend the strawberries far above the Arctic Circle. So, you know, um, if 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 um, if you're ever bothered by the lights being on at night, um, one solution is to work yourself stupidly um, tired on a farm. 
uh, because even though the sun is shining 24 hours a day and it shines through the you know the paper thin curtains in your bedroom in, in an arctic farm in norway uh, you'll sleep um, so yeah i was an arctic farmer at the age of uh, 19. <laughs> A strong scholar to ski bum to strawberry farmer in the Ar Arctic. I didn't even know there were strawberries in the Arctic. Uh, so the, you say you didn't have a plan. How how did that? What was the next step after that? Because for me, how do you not have a plan if you get strong grades, lots of opportunity? Didn't you feel pressure to have a plan? Um, no, I didn't. Not at all. I still don't uh one of my mantras is um um enjoy the journey that's what mm. that's my purpose i know you talk a lot about purpose and i think there, there are lots of ways to mm -hmm. think about purpose but i get up every day thinking wow i have the opportunity to live this whole day and if i'm lucky i'll make it to the end of the day now i'm not suffering from anything terminal and that I'm expecting to pass <laughs> during the day, but I just um, have a lot of gratitude that every day presents itself with a new opportunity. So I, I do have a kind of vision for, for how I would like things to go, but it's not a fixed point. And as opportunities mm. come by, uh, I'll take them. I think I'm on my fifth career now, by now. And it's, uh, it's difficult to talk about uh, to, to kind of define what, what is a career switch, because sometimes just a, you know, a, a slightly out of the box move is, is not a whole new career, but there has been a thread which connects the various roles I've had, but the CEO role of uh, Argonaut, which creates Culture Connector, the thing that, that connected us, um, is probably the fifth career I've had. Yeah, so there wasn't a plan. There still isn't a plan. I love what I do. I'm sticking with it. And uh, this is this is the thing that culture is the thread that I think connects it all. So I don't see myself switching away anytime soon, but you never know. Mm -hmm. So what I'm noticing in my body when I hear you say that is my shoulders are like gripping tight because I'm like the strategist who wants to have a plan. <laughs> and I'm thinking about the, the level of grace and trust you must hold every day to, to actually get up and enjoy the journey. Everybody wants to enjoy the journey, but not everybody is actually doing that. So I'm really curious. Is this is this just who you are, or do you have you had life experiences that have taught you that? Well, I think we're in, all engaged in a status game, and uh, it's not a game that I really enjoy playing. I, I studied political science and sociology at university, so I'm a keen observer of the status game, but I'm not a very enthusiastic participant. So I don't mind where I fall in the hierarchy. So when you switch career, you take several steps back. And you're a junior again. Mm. And now I'm in my sixth decade, it pains me to say. Actually, it doesn't. But anyway, um, I'm 51 now. And I'm very junior mm -hmm. in some of the activities I'm involved with. And that, for me, is a wonderful thing. I enjoy that feeling of exploring a whole new area. And I'm not afraid to show naivety. One of the things I do, we're, we're kind of moving back uh, after the pandemic 
to something like normal now. And I'm really looking forward to getting together to face-to-face meetups. Um, I run a small community of edtech professionals and entrepreneurs. We get together every now and again, have a speaker and, uh, and you know, uh, hang out and, and share, share perspectives. Um, I see my role as kind of the joker at the front who's, who can ask the naive questions to get conversation flowing. Because in this part of the world, especially in Finland, people are very taciturn. They don't like to show mm-hmm. ignorance in a public forum. Everyone's an expert. And I'm happy that my, my expertise, if anything, it's, it's in being a generalist. I, mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. enjoy the uh, having a small bit of insight into many things. And this CEO mm. role, it makes that a kind of obligation that you need to understand every part of the business to some extent, although there's always someone who understands it's bet- better than you. And the same with culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when your job, as mine is, is to bring together insights about different cultures that's an endless pursuit you'll never master them all you you, you're doing very well if you master one so it's a it's a passport to um following your curiosity so i think this is this is one way that i've um, found myself in this role and very happily so well there's so much that you've said i think that's valuable to our listeners it's easier said than done, right? You're living something I think is, can be really challenging for people to live this willingness to be a junior. I work with a lot of people who maybe their partner's been retrenched or maybe they've lost their job or maybe they've changed countries and are trying to find a new job. And it's, it feels like a loss when you have to go to a more junior position. And what I'm hearing you say is being willing to do that and lead with your curiosity actually has served you really well. Yeah, there's something there, Sunday. Um, it, it, it feels really hard. Um, and when you switch, uh, particularly if you're being tested by a new situation and others are doing better than you because they have been working in that culture or in that domain longer than you have, um, that feels hard, that struggle. But actually... Struggle mm-hmm. is a kind of pathway to deep learning. And the, the mm-hmm. evidence is there that people who specialize early and stay within one discipline um, are actually less able in their own discipline than someone who's arrived uh, with a, a late start. So there's this kind of myth of the, the head start. People who start early and have devoted themselves to a specialism outperform those who are kind of late arrivals. That's not true. Of course, there are many pathways to really having high impact and being excellent at your profession. And, and we need specialists, people who know the domain you know, in, intimately. But we work in a very volatile, complex, changing situation now. And people that can domain switch are very much needed in, in the modern economy. And mm-hmm. um, and also people are not great judges of their own learning. When you find something difficult, <laughs> if you find something difficult, you may think it's because I'm not good at this. And in fact, that's what learners, yes. that's what learners think. That this is, this is, yes. I like to think that this is why we do exams. It's not because we don't trust people to, um, 
to prove how good they are. We could just ask them, how well do you know this subject? Oh, you know it very well. Okay, you, you're top of the class. We don't do that. Because actually learners mm -hmm. don't know how much they have learned and how that learning is going to be retained. I see so much of that in my coaching practice. I believe it. Yeah, about people, the learning. that that There's two things that are going up for me. One, I just want to pause about the struggle when things are hard. That's where the deep learning is. And it took me 40 years to appreciate that. Maybe I'm slow, <laughs> but I think, I think that's wisdom that you're sharing right now. And it's usually hard earned, right? So that idea, I just wanted to pause on that because that's really important that when you're struggling to trust that in that struggle, there's deep learning. Um, and we want things that are easy, right? The other thing I wanted, I wanted to share a story about, about when things are difficult. And I, this is in case it's relevant for other people who are in similar situations. I do boxing on Saturdays and our coach, it has zero mercy, <laughs> like zero mercy. And um, he, we, he would come as a beginner, he would come and we would work for an hour, hour and a half. And he really pushed me to my limit. Next time he would come, I would work for an hour and a half, push me to my limit. And as a dancer, former dancer, when it's hard in the beginning and it gets easier, right? So it's super hard in the beginning, clunky, and then it gets smooth and elegant and lighter and easier. And that's performance. But what I didn't realize with boxing is that every time I showed up and he showed up, he would push me harder and add more. And I, every time after boxing, I'd be like, I suck at boxing. This is hard. I'm not getting better. Like that was a story that was going on in my head that I was telling myself. And all of a sudden I, he and I were talking and I'm like, I'm just not, I'm not good at this. I'm not getting better. And he said, Sunday, he goes, every time I add something to the program, it's because you're ready for it. So if it's getting harder every time, it's because you're getting better. And that was just a moment for me where I realized that I can't judge progress, learning, or the quality of my experience based on how I feel. Absolutely not. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very true. And I think those stories that we tell ourselves, they're very powerful. And we need to review those often because people change, sometimes quite quickly, but certainly as the years pass. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you absolutely have to update those, uh, those, those um, ideas you have about yourself. I remember uh, talking of sports when I was at school, I used to hate running. We had this thing called the cross-country run. Mm. We used to run through these muddy fields in England and... Um, uh, I, I just um, abhorred this thing. It was always raining. It was always grey. And I never, never got into the spirit of that cross-country run, even though it's beautiful English countryside. And I, I understood myself not to be a runner. And I've had this idea for so long. And there was one strange incident when I was a, a young man or student. Um, we were on a trip to the Netherlands and... Um, having great fun, clinking glasses. They drink out of small beer glasses. So you have lots and lots of rounds and, uh, you know, it was all, all, all wonderful. And it was time for our boat to go back to England. Um, 
And I didn't want to leave because it was, you know, the party was just getting started. So I was with a bunch of Dutch people who said, well, you can stay at our place tonight, but you have to run in this race. We're one person down in our team. And I was pretty <laughs> drunk by this time. So I said, yes. And the next morning I was out. I think it was called the Batavieren Venne. And I did okay to my enormous surprise. And... Um, uh, I ran <laughs> all those bits, completely <laughs> hung over. I was probably still drunk, in fact. And um, <laughs> I did okay. It was 10, 10 kilometers, and then I think it was an 11-kilometer bike ride after that. You run alongside someone else on your team or cycle alongside someone else on your team. And I just discounted this. I'm not a runner, so this was just an aberration. You know, I mm. don't – I'm not – this is mm -hmm. not for me. It was something weird that happened when I was on a trip. And um, and then uh, six years ago, when I became uh, the boss of this company, I started work working from home. Uh, and I lost my commute to work, which was always on bike. I've always biked to work. Um, so that wasn't a very healthy situation. So I went out and started to run. Uh, against all of my kind of expectations and my identity, I started with this 4.2 kilometer run mm -hmm. and it has mushroomed into something completely crazy now. And, and I am a full on runner and I had, this has just come from mm -hmm. nowhere. And I have to say, it's something I'm pretty good at. Um, I can say that because I don't take any credit for it. It's something that was just in me or had grown in me without my knowledge, without my effort. But I just discovered it mm. in myself. And I, I I look back and I wonder at what point did, did, did that story become a barrier to discovering this? Um, and yeah. I, I don't know. But um, what I learned from that is that um, you can discover the, the new you in so many unexpected places. And this is one of those things that I'm exploring now. So I think we are, most of us consider the early part of our life to be a kind of sampling period. You find out where your mates are, you know, you find your partner in life, you find your career, you find the place you want to be. And then once you've found those, that's kind of it. But I like the idea that we continue to evolve and to develop and we can continue to discover this and things which were true earlier uh, may not be true anymore. And that's especially the case if you're living overseas, your whole context has changed. And so very likely that's changed something in you. So I think being punched in the face by your boxing instructor is actually quite a good <laughs> a good wake-up call that, um, you know, I need to get good at this. You give yourself a, a chance to learn. And even though it's hard, that, that the hardness may be a signal that some real learning is happening. So give it time uh, and you may discover that, you know, you, you, you're going to be a black belt one day. <laughs> we'll have a look. Uh, the other thing I think about is... Um giving ourselves permission to struggle. And what I've noticed, and this is just me, right? When I do things that are, that are, I'm not competent at in the beginning, right? You have conscious incompetence. 
no one likes being unconscious and incompetence, or maybe they do, but that is an uncomfortable place to be. But what I've noticed in my own journey is when you're sitting in that space, you called it curiosity, being the junior, I'm going to call it conscious incompetence, that all of me comes forward. And I'm talking the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? When I'm in that space, anything I still need to work through as a person, right? I call myself a recovering perfectionist. I've done massive, massive growth in that area. However, when I am now in a new zone, right? Those inklings of old ghosts, things I thought I've completely worked through will, will rear their head again. And it will invite me to say, really Sunday, did you, you think you threw that or you got some more ego on that one? Right. And it will invite me to do the work again. And, and I think that is what is actually really beautiful because I'm, I'm in the space of self-development, right? Self-help. And I'm, I'm also known for 20 years ago, I would just read books on (laughs) self-help, but I wouldn't do any of the activities or exercises, right? I wouldn't apply it into my actual life. I would just read the book. That's not self-help, right? That's like snacking on (laughs) self-help. And, um, and now again, I feel like this is maybe what comes with age, but now I feel like really getting in there, you know, getting through the sweat, blood and tears, right? Getting in in a deep way is where you are really able to grow. Does that make sense? Yeah. How satisfying is it to take the easy path? Mm-hmm. Um, and compare that with the satisfaction you get from having achieved something that yeah. really challenged you. Exactly. Uh, yeah, struggle is absolutely a, a pathway to, to learning. And um, when you you talked about conscious um, incompetence, the, I think what you're talking about is incompetence in a specific domain, which is how we think about uh, our our um, ability to, for, for example, be in a team, that you are the specialist in uh, X and here's the specialist in Y and together we, we're the, the XY team. But um, but those that can domain switch, who can analogize to bring in examples from other domains, have a whole lot more to offer, even if their domain knowledge is at an early stage. So I would say that you know, this is, you're being, not you Sunday, but uh, it, we are being narrow if mm-hmm. we think about our competence in only one domain. Mm-hmm. Because this domain switching is is key to success in, in almost every role these days. And what you're saying is actually counter to a lot of mainstream messages right now about niche, 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 right? And you're, you're a generalist. I'm also a generalist, right? A cultural generalist. I have, I have a very narrow audience that I speak to, but I'm also still a generalist. And it's kind of not what's in, but what I'm hearing you say is actually can be like a glue that brings in let's say, other specialists together in a way that's richer for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are multiple paths to 
success and uh, productivity and being a um, living a good life, aren't there? And special specialization, it's something that I'm also interested in doing. Uh, I think I've got enough years in me to give myself a chance to specialize at some point and, uh, and see what it's like to really have deep domain knowledge. Um, I'm not doing it yet. It doesn't come naturally to me. But if that, if I'm telling myself I'm a generalist, then it makes me want to question that. Maybe there's a specialist in me whom I haven't discovered mm. Uh, mm. yet. But um, uh, but yeah, there, there is there is a myth ar around this. It's and the reason is because people tend to cram for exams and they're put through selection tests. They're accepted into organization by recruiters for what they know at that moment, rather than from their ability to learn. Mm. And um, so you, we're, every day is a kind of starting point to the next period of your life, isn't it? So mm -hmm. wherever we start, it, um, we've got the opportunity to get ahead of people, if that's what floats your boat. Now, I, I'm one of the things that I, I mentioned that I am, um, from having seen myself as um, uh, as not a runner, nowadays mm -hmm. I run marathons. Um, and it's interesting the way that marathons have evolved under the pandemic, um, because there isn't a single starting gun for a marathon. Mm. People leave, uh, they're, they're ele electronically tagged, and people leave they cross the starting line in their own time. So when you're running a marathon, um, you may pass someone, you pass them by, you get ahead of them. But in fact, they're several minutes ahead of you in their own time. Mm. And this is how I see life. So people who appear to be more, um, more expert in the field that you're working on may actually be just ahead of you in their in their career or in their mm -hmm. their stage of development, but you may be the person coming up from behind, uh, even mm -hmm. though you know they appear to be far ahead of you. Uh, the, the the positions may be reversed, and so you can take inspiration from the people around you. But it's dangerous to judge your competence level from those that uh, you know that are immediately by your side. Um, the same goes for um, being in another culture. Mm -hmm. That uh, one thing which I, I guess I get a bit of a reputation for. So um, my father, I grew up in Britain, but my father wasn't British. He was Australian, a kind of bun a bundle of different cultures. But he was an immigrant to Australia, but I guess that was his main, main identity. So growing up in Britain, he always talked about Britain as if it was elsewhere. You know, this household is something... It's a bubble in Britain. Mm -hmm. So Brit Britain is what happens out, out there in the town, you know, and, mm -hmm. and so forth in the country. And I, I'd still do this, having lived in Finland a, a long time. I, I said, well, yeah, this, is, this works in Finland. And I'm thinking, but it wouldn't work elsewhere. And I can see people looking at me thinking, duh, yeah, this, this is Finland. We're here in Finland. Of course this works in Finland. <laughs> and, um, you know, if you, if you are able to bring in experience from very different situations, it mean, means that you can come up with much more robust solutions mm -hmm. that won't just work in the way that it has always worked, in the way that's familiar, in the way that it works today. But um, 
You know, this is repeated in so many areas in investment banking. Um, uh, I understand that the more that the uh, the venture capitalist knows about a venture, the less accurate their predictions are of its success. Well, well. because you get so you get so much confidence in your ability from knowing the details that you lose sight of how that is going to work when it hits the real world, uh, mm. you know, and, and situations change and so forth. So I think that we do ourselves a disservice if we question too much how we are performing today because we're absolutely on a journey to increasing our competence. Um, you know, we can, we can have all kinds of habits and uh, you've got uh, a coaching practice which, which does this and uh, you are in coaching at least with boxing and I'm sure in many other areas of your life, you are <laughs> developing and growing. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, let's not judge ourselves by how we're doing today because um, we may be at the, the foot of an amazing learning curve. Mm. Oh, no doubt. It also makes me think about don't get too hotsy-totsy about where you are if you are ahead of other people because maybe you started with a massive advantage to the person next to you, right? That's when the ideas of equity come in of, I just saw a meme online that said, you know, seven habits of highly effective people or highly successful people. And it was like, go to private school, have the old boys network, you know, private trust fund, like that some people who are what we think are successful had a huge head start and obviously, you know, supported by historical bias and power dynamics. And we can't if we are to look at ourselves, if we're from a minority identity or coming from a context where it's been systemically, you know, oppressed, you have so much inside of you that that can be tapped into. Um, and it has nothing to do with what this person's doing over there, right? It, not in relationship to, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm. I'm absolutely. Uh, I'm quite kind of easily inspired. I take inspiration from other people. Um, you know, at um, at, at very, uh, I have a very low threshold for being impressed by people. And uh, uh, there, there are so many people who have come through that, have had the whole world against them, and have yet broken through and done their thing and and lived a full life. And um, it is it is possible and yeah um although we talk about struggle i don't want to overemphasize it because absolutely here in the first world our struggles are on a different scale mm -hmm. uh to to the majority of humanity um mm -hmm. who probably aren't listening to this podcast but um but on on the other hand the struggles which we experience in our context are, are real you know mm -hmm. people really do um, face challenges and experience trauma and all kinds of setbacks. And I don't want to uh, diminish those at all. But yeah, we take gratitude for the the, the luck that life mm -hmm. throws us. Mm, absolutely. No, your values definitely shine through from our conversations that we've had. I'm just looking at the time and I know that we're going to have to wrap up soon, which I don't want to, uh, but I'm, I'm left with this question. You know, we've talked about you live a life full of, you know, challenges that are inherent in being human and in relationship with others and raising family and all of those things. And yet 
you describe yourself as having a relatively happy life and have chosen this really interesting path of shifting careers, you know, six times and, and being that place of not knowing and curiosity. What is something that you hold inside of your body that you know so deeply, but you wish that more people would let in? Um, I think building on what you've said, it's an empathy for other people's situations. So I feel so privileged to be where I am, when I am. Uh, I've born in Britain and I've spent most of my adult life in the Nordic region. And you don't get much luckier than that in life's lottery. But most of humanity haven't had what I've had, uh, that is through history and, and still today. So just being grateful what, whatever challenges I have, uh, they're, they're not on the same level as, as what some people are, are going through today. Mm -hmm. Healthy perspective taking. It's good to keep things in focus. Thank you so much. There's, there's so many gems here that I personally am going to go back and, and visit uh, for me. And I am sure the listeners uh, will do the same. It's been really, really, really lovely, Richard. Thank you so much for, for joining me. It means the world to me. Well, Sunday, I'm a huge fan. I love listening to you. And it's, uh, it's an honor to be on the show. So um, thanks for inviting me on. Thank you. You did say you have a low threshold for inspiration, so I don't know if that is a compliment. You're, you way overshoot the mark, Sunday. You're way, way beyond. Yeah. It's great. Thank you, Richard. I'm just teasing, as you know. Um, so if you want to find Richard, you can check him out on LinkedIn. I'll have the link in the show notes. He is also the big boss over there um, behind Culture Connector and the podcast host of Intercultural Toolbox. So thank you so much. And you can check out Richard in the show notes. So there you have it. What a pleasure to have Richard join us. It's so refreshing to see an example of success that doesn't tout this sort of overnight success dogma or success at all costs but rather emphasizes that our lives are a unpredictable winding path full of starts and restarts. And it makes transparent that the most things are worthwhile, are worth investing our patience and hard-earned energy in over time. Finally, one of the things that Richard does is reminds us to have some fun along the way. You've been listening to Expat Happy Hour with Sunday Bean. Thank you for listening. I'll leave you with the words of Marshall Silver. He reminds us to enjoy the journey as much as the destination. Um. <laughs>